It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. Radio Network. Broadcasting from coast to coast. City to city, coast to coast. It's time for the Ryan Hickey Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. If it's happening in sports, it's being talked about right here. And here's your host, Ryan Hickey. Good Thursday morning. Welcome into the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It is the Ryan Hickey Show with you here for the next two hours until 11 a.m. Eastern. Taking you around the world of sports. Talking drunk boat parades. Talking player empowerment in the NFL. Player movement possibly in the NFL. And everything else in between. Very excited for the show we got cooking here for the next two hours. And hopefully you enjoy on all of our great social media channels. Worldwide Sports Network on Facebook. WWSRN underscore radio on Twitter. Worldwide Sports Network on YouTube. WWSRN underscore radio on Twitch. So Twitter handle, Twitch handle, TNT, you know, uh, what is that, alliteration? Nice and easy. WWSRN underscore radio. And our app, by far the easiest way to stay connected to us, to follow us, to stay up to date on all the articles that are written on the website, all the shows that go live almost 24-7, it feels like, because we continue to add shows on a a weekly basis. So really, we are starting to almost become a 24-7 network for you right here. So the best way to keep up with it, WWSRN on iOS, if you have an iPhone. Worldwide Sports Network on Android, type that in the App Store, boom, downloaded. You'll stay up to date on everything that goes on at the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. So as a reminder, we're coming to you, as we always are, live from the Big Italy Pizzeria Studios with its great pizza, hot heroes, and phenomenal dinners. Check out Big Italy Pizzeria in Medford, Joe's Pizzeria in Bayshore, or online wherever the hell you are at BigItalyPizza.com. So what will we be talking about today on the Ryan Hickey Show? Well, I'm glad you asked. The NFL is slowly morphing into the NBA. Do you like it? I'll explain what I mean by that and why two reasons. I believe that is a good thing. Tom Brady, as we saw yesterday in social media, really had a fun time with. He had a, he had a great time at the boat parade. Good for Tom Brady. Finally, what it feels like for the first time in the 20-plus years he's been in the NFL, letting his hair down and actually, for once, being relatable. The videos you saw on social media of Tom Brady just drunk as a skunk, borderline blackout, I mean, hey, does it bring you back to any time that you've had a little too much, maybe been overserved once or twice? Is Tom Brady now becoming more likable that he's out of New England? We'll discuss that. Top of the second hour, 10 a.m. Eastern. The Brooklyn Nets, now they did win yesterday, and they really, for the most part, handled the Pacers uh, again, and they win uh, against a, a team with a winning record. But what happened two nights ago against the Detroit Pistons, specifically against the worst team in the league, has me concerned about their title chances. Not going to pat myself on the back, but I will explain what I mean by that at 10 Eastern. Baseball is trying to deadening the ball. MLB is deadening the baseball for this 2021 season. Less home runs. Is less home runs a good thing for the sport? I'll explain why to me my answer is yes. The Dallas Mavericks resume playing the national anthem at their games after the first 13 games of the preseason and the regular season. They did not play the anthem. No one noticed, including yours truly. Now they're back playing it starting last night. We'll discuss uh, that to end the show at 1040 Eastern. But I do want to start here with the NFL with the latest rumor 
the latest point of contention with a star quarterback and his team. Because I say this a lot, and I said it a lot on Monday's show, kind of reacting to the Super Bowl, and that is that the NFL is a copycat league. right? I, I'm sure you're sick of me saying that, but it's true. One team, one player does something successfully, does it differently, and now all of a sudden now players, coaches, teams try to emulate that to have their own sort of success. So what is the latest edition of the NFL being a copycat league? Well, that is Tom Brady not only going to Tampa Bay, right, leaving the nest of New England after 20 years of a successful run, six championships, nine Super Bowl appearances. Not only did he leave New England to go to Tampa Bay, not only did he win a Super Bowl, he did so by getting some say in the team, acting as almost a partner in the Buccaneers with Jason Lathard, general manager, with Bruce Arians, their head coach, and almost being a, a coach on the field, being a conduit, if you will, between the front office and the players on the field. He was almost like an in-between mix. So he had some power. He was allowed to make some decisions or at least have some influence on some decisions. And what happened, as we know, they won the Super Bowl. Well, guess who's taking note? Aaron Rodgers has taken note of that. And as we know, after that NFC title game loss, he put some doubt as to his future in Green Bay. Deshaun Watson put out some doubt, and really, forget doubt, he is done with this organization for a few different reasons because he doesn't like the direction that the franchise is going in. And most recently now, Russell Wilson, earlier this week, put out and voiced his frustrations about the offensive line. So Tom Brady did, and now he's trying to gain more input into decisions made by the Seahawks. So I want to ask you this, and we'll get this started off here. I'd love to get your thoughts on Facebook, Worldwide Sports Network, Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio. You know, tweet me directly at Ryan Hickey Show. Do you believe NFL players should have input on personnel decisions, on team decisions, whether it's whether to sign a player, whether to trade for a player, whether it's to hire a certain head coach or fire a coach? Do you believe players should have the ability to have input and have their voice be heard when big decisions are being made. Do these players like Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Sean Watson have a right to be upset that their voice has been ignored throughout the process? My answer is 100%. They deserve to have a say. They deserve to have input. They should be upset that they're being basically ignored. And they have a real beef that I think is legitimate. Now, let me just say this before I get going here because it is open up Pandora's box a little bit. This Privilege, in my mind, is reserved for the elite of the elite, mostly, for the most part, franchise quarterbacks. But if you're an elite lineman, linebacker, whatever, if you're one of the best players at what you do, I think you do deserve a say in what goes on on your side of the ball. Whether it's a coaching hire, head coaching hire, trade for this player, sign this player, release this player, I think that you should absolutely consult with some of the best players and leaders on your team. I mean, it makes no sense why they wouldn't be consulted. I'll give you an example here, and I want to relate to at least what I do in the the radio field. So if you're unaware, Ryan Hickey here, hello. Um, I am a, as my full-time job, a radio producer at CBS Sports Radio. I work for the Zach Gelb Show. So despite me working directly with Zach every day, right? Zach is the host, I'm the producer. So my role is to do whatever I can to have Zach prepared and try to have the best show possible. But Zach is the host. He is the talent. He is why people go listen to the show. But despite me working, if you want to see it, as a producer almost working for Zach in a way, he's not my boss. I have two bosses, David and another boss, Mark. They're the ones who hired me. They're the ones who promoted me. They're the ones who really I technically report to. But with that said, 
if Zach doesn't think I'm doing a good enough job, if he doesn't like my producing style, thinks I'm lazy, doesn't like the way I approach things, doesn't think I'm bringing the best out of him, he has the right to go to management. And because he doesn't have firing power, he doesn't have hiring power, he can make a suggestion that, hey, I know you guys hired Ryan. I know you guys like Ryan. Hopefully that's what they're saying. But I don't think he's doing a good enough job. I think we can do better at the producer mission for X, Y, and Z. He can make a suggestion. Now, I think personally it would be wise for Mark and David, my bosses, to listen to Zach and take his advice and act on it. Because, again, you are working directly with this person every single day. Zach is the host. People go listen to the show for him. If he feels like he is not getting the best out of his producer position, shouldn't you make a move? And with that said, if they do make a move, let's say I'm fired. Down, knock on wood. Hopefully, Zach and my bosses are not listening. But if they do fire me and that position is open, Zach is not the one doing the hiring. right? Despite him being the show, despite him or this position working directly with him, it is Mark, it is David, the bosses that are the ones doing the hiring and making the final decision. With that said, shouldn't you want the talent, the host uh, of the show, to have some sort of say, have some sort of input? Or maybe they meet with, let's say, the final three or four candidates, finalists, and Zach gets hit thought, hey, I like what this guy brings to the table. Hey, I think this guy would work best with me, blah, 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 blah. He gives his voice. He gives his thoughts. Because at the end of the day, again, the producer is the one working directly with Zach. He will have input on whether the show gets better or it gets worse. So while Zach doesn't have specific hiring power or firing power, he can make suggestions to the bosses and they can act on his word. And personally for me, it would be wise for them to listen to what the guy Zach is saying because at the end of the day, again, he would know because he is the one whose show is getting affected one way or another. So with that said, shouldn't we have the same approach and philosophy when it comes to the quarterback position? Because what do we always say about that position? It is the most important position in all of sports. The quarterback single-handedly directly impacts the game in one way or another more than any other position on the field in football and is the most important position in all of sports. So with that said, with the importance so heavy, with teams' futures of a play, of a game, of a season, so reliant on one guy, shouldn't we give that respective player a voice, a say in whether it's trying to trade for a player, cut a player, sign a player. Maybe it's a position coach or, hey, the offensive coordinator is going elsewhere. What do you think we should do? What direction would you like to head in for the next offensive coordinator? Maybe it's a head coach. Hey, what way do you think, what, what, what kind of direction the head coach would be to make this team better going forward? To me, that just makes obvious sense. And for whatever reason, especially a, a lot of pushback I've seen against Russell Wilson this week, not a lot of people are coming to his defense, and I am. Russ is right, Aaron Rodgers is right, Deshaun Watson is right. They absolutely deserve a voice. They absolutely should be frustrated that they're getting ignored. Because if you're ignoring the most important player on your team, the most important position in all of sports, can you really say everyone is aligned and going the right direction? I want to bring up some classic NFL cliches, some coach speak, if you will. We're all sick of them. We hear them every single day. But there's a reason why they're said, right? Pulling in the right direction is one that's used a lot, especially front office-wise. Hey, we're trying to all pull in the same direction. Everyone is on the same page. We got to get everyone on the same page if they're not on the same page. And, of course, another cliche, hey, there's only one goal in the building, that's to win. 
these cliches are repeated over and over and over again to ad nauseum at some points, to be honest. But they are repeated over and over and over again because it's not the case. It's not a given that everyone in the organization is pulling in one direction, that everyone in the organization is on the same page. That's not a given. If anything, it's more rare than common in the NFL. And here's a perfect example. We will go right to Seattle, where, again, Russell Wilson, he's the one who, who is the latest to voice his opinion, frustrated with the offensive line, frustrated of getting hit. Pete Cow, the head coach, is a defensive-minded guy. Now, really, he's more of a motivator. He's more of a CEO at this role. But he has a defensive background. Well, despite that, he was the one who made the decision to fire offensive coordinator Brian Schottenheimer in the offseason. He wants to move in a new direction. He wants to run the ball more going forward in offense. Well, you know who didn't like that decision? You know who liked Brian Schottenheimer, thought he was the right coach to be coaching the offense? Russell Wilson. So here's what I'm saying. Shouldn't this be a collaborative effort? Because let's call it for what it is. This is not the Legion of Boom Seahawks. This team, their hopes and dreams of a Super Bowl championship rely on number three's shoulders. If Russell Wilson plays well, and you saw the first eight games of the year, this team is legitimate, legitimately good enough to win a Super Bowl. If not, if the offense goes off the rails, if players get hurt, if the team is not on the same page, guess what? The second half of the year happens, and the Seahawks stink. Go make the playoffs but our early exit and lose to a backup quarterback in John Wolford for a quarter, and then you lose to a guy in Jared Goff who flat fly out stinks, but his thumb is broken as well. So shouldn't you consult with at least your franchise quarterback and Russell Wilson and say, hey, I think I'm making a change. What do you think here? And if not, if you like Brian Schottenheimer, how can we make this offense more consistent? How can we make sure that this offense doesn't die out in the second half of the year? Like, I, I just can't wrap my brain around it. Maybe you can explain it to me. But I can't wrap my brain around why these important players aren't being consulted in these massive decisions. Yes, I understand Tom Brady is Tom Brady. He's a winner. He has now won seven titles more than any other franchise. Forget player, any other franchise in NFL history. But with that said, he went to Tampa Bay. Bruce Arians took a step back. Jason Light took a step back. And really the three of those guys worked in collaboration to say, hey, who can we get on this team that would make the offense the best it possibly could be? How can we call plays to make sure that I'm the most comfortable I am on the field and running this offense most efficiently? And guess what? They won a Super Bowl. So why wouldn't the Packers do that with Aaron Rodgers? Why wouldn't the Texans do that with Deshaun Watson? And why wouldn't the Seahawks do that with Russell Wilson? Like, someone has to explain to me how that makes sense, that basically we are ignoring what these guys are saying and, and, and trust the head coach and trust the GM to do whatever they want, even if it goes and contradicts what the player thinks is best. Now, look, I'm not saying that these quarterbacks that Russell Wilson should be in the, in the war room making all the, all the draft picks, calling guys in free agency, basically wheeling and dealing and spending money in the cap. But I am saying, especially when it comes to their side of the football, whether it's an offensive coordinator change, even a head coach change, maybe personnel change on the offense, they absolutely should be consulted and they absolutely deserve a voice. Because it's also call for what it is. Haven't these players gained enough respect to where we know that these demands that they are making aren't out of selfish needs, but for what the team needs. For example, Aaron Rodgers, 
right? He wanted, and he was vocal about drafting another receiver when the draft is coming around. Why did he say that? Not selfishly because, hey, I would love someone else to throw to. Selfishly because, hey, he saw this team is flawed. They made it to the NFC title game last year in 2019 when they were blown out by the 49ers. Hey, we need another piece. We got to get more potent on offense because guess what? The defense right now isn't up to snuff to win us games. We got to try to outscore teams. Instead, they draft a quarterback in Jordan Love. They draft a running back in A.J. Dillon round one and round two. They run it back, and guess what? They go 13-3. and Aaron Rodgers is the MVP. Great year. But in the NFC title game, are you really telling me the Packers couldn't have benefited from another receiver? A consistent receiver? Because outside of Devonta Adams, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Alan Lazard, Equinemius St. Brian, none of those guys were consistent. None of those guys could be relied upon, and guess what? But Devonta Adams didn't have the best day. When he was covered and taken away by that Buccaneers defense, no one else stepped up. We could blame Aaron Rodgers, sure. Blame the defense, sure. But at the same time, he wasn't given an option, a second option, a reliable option to throw to. Russell Wilson, he is complaining this week about a lack of an offensive line, and he wants to get a better unit. Why is he complaining about the offensive line? Let's look at the stats here. I don't know. Maybe because he's been sacked 394 times in nine seasons. 394. The guy has been just getting crushed. He's been a a crash test dummy back there. Because his offensive line, in the nine years, they've had plenty of time. They haven't fixed it. It's gotten marginally better, but it's still putrid. It's still awful. He's not saying that selfishly because, hey, I'm looking out for me. He's saying it selfishly because, hey, we're calling a lot of deep routes. Well, we can't block long enough for me to throw these deep routes. I need some protection. Ty Lockett, a very good receiver. DK Metcalf, a very good receiver. But if you're not getting time to throw the deep ball and you're not calling underneath routes, what are we doing? Something's got to give. So ignoring what Russell Wilson is saying or or trying to paint him to be a bad teammate because, hey, he's calling out a unit. Hey, do you want to win the championship or no? Russell Wilson knows what it takes to win a championship. Aaron Rodgers knows what it takes to win a championship. They're trying to get you there, and they're voicing their frustration because guess what? This is not the first time that this was brought up. This is not the first time Aaron Rodgers wanted another receiver. This is not the first time I'm sure Russell Wilson asked for a better offensive line. They were ignored. That's why they're going public. Because they want the fans now to get on the organization and say, hey, what are you doing? This is our guy. I understand football is a team sport. I'm not trying to say that Russell Wilson single-handedly will be the reason why the Seahawks win a Super Bowl or get to a Super Bowl. But he's the largest part of that. The offense isn't, isn't playing well. The Seahawks aren't going to the Super Bowl. If the Packers offense takes a dip in 2021, this team is not going to the Super Bowl. So, yeah, franchise players absolutely deserve a say at the table. They absolutely should have their input on coaching decisions, on player decisions on their side of the ball, because guess what? They know what they need to play their best football, and these organizations rely on these franchise quarterbacks to have success. So those teams, if the Packers continue to ignore Aaron Rodgers, Seahawks continue to ignore Russell Wilson, yeah, they should want their way out. Because their team is blatantly ignoring a need or two that they need to get over the top. 
And there's a reason why the Seahawks have had early exits in the playoffs in recent years, and there's a reason why the Packers haven't gone to another Super Bowl since 2010. So I'm curious your thoughts. As you can tell which side I'm on, I'm 100% backing Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson. These guys deserve a seat at the table. These guys deserve to have their input heard and to be able to influence decisions when it comes to their side of the football, when it comes to what will make them better. What do you think? Facebook, Worldwide Sports Network, Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio, at Ryan Hickey Show, also on Twitter. You can tweet me there or comment on the live stream that is on Periscope. We'll get your thoughts, and when we come back, we're talking about a lot of player movement, player power. One league has a lot of that, the NBA. Now we're starting to see the NFL morph into the NBA. Do you like that? Is that a good thing? We'll talk about that next. It is the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. Radio Network. Welcome back Welcome to the back Ryan Hickey Ryan Show. Show. Right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome on back into the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Vibing out here on a Thursday morning. And I'm curious, I want to get your thoughts. I'd love to really hear your opinion because I've seen a lot on social media. Really, when this has come out, I believe it was Tuesday. I'll be honest, since I I started working my full-time job at CBS Sports Radio, or at least since my schedule moved to Monday through Friday, I've been there over four years and... Back in, let's say, November, I started working Monday through Friday full-time. I have completely lost track of the days. I don't know why, but maybe working the weekend, at least you know it's the weekend, and and that kind of helps anchor where you are in the week. But ever since I started doing Monday through Friday on a consistent basis, man, I forget all the time what day it is, when things happen. Everything just feels like one big blur. I'm pretty sure it happened on Tuesday morning when Russell Wilson started voicing his frustration about the offensive line. And sure, you could take it on, oh, Russell Wilson just throwing a unit under the bus. Being a bad teammate, if you will. Blaming Russell Wilson for maybe holding on to the ball too long. But it's misguided. You're missing the main point here. The main point is that Russell Wilson, the star quarterback of the Seahawks, the reason, the, the, the most important number one reason why Seattle will have success is when he's playing well. He feels like his voice has not been heard. In the offensive coordinator, say, when Brian Schottenhammer's fired, in the offensive line and personnel decisions because it hasn't gotten any better, really since he's been in Seattle. I mean, nine years, we just said it. He's had 394 sacks. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Top five in the league every year except one in that category. So he's not just saying that to be selfish. He's saying that because, hey, the offensive line has stunk. Let's call for what it is here. If we're trying to win a championship, we got to shore up some of the, these holes. And I'm sure he said it multiple times because, as we know, Russell Wilson, he's not one to put out a lot of stuff in the media. He's not one to cause some drama. He must have been sick and tired of the way Pete Carroll is handling this team and ignoring his input. Now, I think Russell Wilson is right to be frustrated, and he should have a say. Russell Wilson should have a say. Aaron Rodgers should have a say. Deshaun Watson should have a say. Because these guys know what's best for the team. These guys are the number one most important reason why teams win. And won't you, wouldn't you want to accentuate their play 
and help get them to a level where they are playing their best football on a weekly basis? How do you do that? Getting a second receiver for Aaron Rodgers. Getting a better offensive line for Russell Wilson. Getting a better culture for the Texans. Hello. Hey, uh, that's another thing, too. And I've seen a lot of pushback on social media this week, basically trying to say, hey, Russ, who the hell do you think you are? You're not Tom Brady. You don't deserve this treatment of, of getting say on the team, of picking players, of picking schemes, of picking plays. I ask you, why not? Because these players, maybe not winning-wise on the same level as Tom Brady, but in terms of importance to winning, are on the same level as Tom Brady. So why shouldn't they get say? Because guess what? They've been right. The Packers do need a second receiver. The, the Seahawks do need an offensive line. The, the hell of the Texans. We've been crushing the Texans for two months now. About what? Their God-awful culture. Who is wrong? Where is Russell Wilson wrong when he says the offensive line has to be better? Where is Aaron Rodgers wrong saying that, hey, it would be great to have a consistent second weapon behind Devonta Adams? Where is Deshaun Watson wrong when he says, hey, the, the Texans need a culture change? We need a leader in here as a head coach, as a general manager, that is the total antithesis of what just was here in Bill O'Brien. And instead, Cal McNair, the owner, sides with the Jack used to be, who came with Bill O'Brien, who, according to you read a lot of reports, is the reason for a lot of mistrust in the organization that's led to a lot of upheaval. And instead, the owner sides with Jack Easterby over Deshaun Watson, and now you're this, uh, the Texans are bound to repeat the cycle yet again. They are bound to repeat history that they just tried to rid themselves of by firing Bill O'Brien earlier this year. So we know these players that are now publicly voicing their frustrations are right. Why aren't we listening to them? If you want to say, if you're making excuses, hey, they're not Tom Brady, they don't deserve that. Sure, no one's Tom Brady. But are we really going to pretend that Tom Brady was the only reason why the Buccaneers won the Super Bowl? Or are we going to pretend that at least Tom Brady's the only quarterback, I should say, that knows what he needs to win a Super Bowl? Like, are, are we, we don't think Russell Wilson knows what he needs. We don't think Aaron Rodgers knows what he needs. These quarterbacks have gained their respect. They've earned the right to make the calls. Offensive coordinator for the Seahawks. Personnel-wise on the offense. They've deserved the right to make those decisions. A lot of people have said, no, I don't know why. Because ignoring the franchise quarterback only sets you back. It doesn't help get you forward. Having pride of, hey, I'm the GM, I make these decisions. You don't know what you're talking about. Not only that's how you alienate players in today's game, that's how you make your team worse, not better. We talked about the cliches. That is not everyone pulling in the same direction. So those on the same page, Joe's, hey, you know what? Maybe the quarterback is right. Maybe we do have to shore up this one position. Maybe, you know what? Maybe this offensive coordinator, this philosophy will work for us going forward. Instead of trying to force a square peg in a round hole. Hey, Russ, we're hiring this offensive coordinator because I say so. I'm the head coach. I'm making this decision. You're going to play with this guy, and you're going to like it. I don't care if he's the total opposite philosophy of what you stand for. I don't care if his strengths as a play caller, as an offense, contradict what your strengths are. I'm making this call. I'm the head coach. When has that worked? When has that worked? Let me throw it to you this way. Why have... Young quarterbacks especially have more success of late in the NFL. 
Why are we seeing an uptick in offense? Why are we seeing now rookies and young players compete on the big stage and win on the big stage so young in their careers? Oh, yeah, that's right. Because NFL offenses are mirroring college offenses. The Ravens, they drafted Lamar Jackson. What did they try to do? They didn't try to force the system on Lamar Jackson. They catered Lamar Jackson's strengths, and they built the system around those strengths. Running the ball, getting him on the perimeter. They're not saying, hey, Lamar Jackson, you're going to drop back 40 times a game. You're going to throw these NFL throws because we said so. Because that's why we want to do it. They said, hey, we see what your strengths are. You are athletic as hell. You are faster than everyone on the field. So what are we going to do? We're going to put you in space. We're going to design an offense that is run first to accentuate your strengths. And what happened? He won the MVP. And the Ravens now, at least, are, are closer to getting to a Super Bowl than they were before with Joe Flacco. I could go on and on and on. But the success young quarterbacks have had because teams have molded their philosophies, molded their personnel, molded their, the way they, they play the game to fit what best accentuates the quarterback that they have their strengths. Tom Brady and Peyton Manning aren't running run-pass options, option offenses. They're not rolling out. They're not asked to keep the ball. You're not running the same offense for Deshaun Watson than you would for Tom Brady. So again, please someone explain to me, because I don't understand why there is so much pushback this week on social media. But Russell Wilson got to stay in his lane, got to check himself. Because he doesn't have that right. It's common sense. I don't understand why the most important position in all the sports isn't getting the respect of being listened to, of having a voice at the table. I mean, we are paying these guys more than anyone else in the franchise outside of the owner. But for pride, we're saying, hey, the GM makes the decisions, the head coach makes those decisions, you're going to like it. And in the Texans' case, making decisions despite Deshaun Watson, and you're going to like it. I mean, what are we, honestly, what are we doing here? What kind of pissing contest are we trying to have? And when does a pissing contest end up with a Super Bowl? If, I'll say this. I'll finish up with this. Because, again, Tom Brady is the one who kind of started this discussion because he went to Tampa Bay, and they listened to him, and guess what? They won a Super Bowl, and now other quarterbacks are like, hey, if you're listening to Tom Brady, how come you can't listen to me? They just won a Super Bowl. If Bruce Arians wanted to turn this into a pissing contest, if he said, all right, Tom Brady, you think you're in charge, I'm the boss, and we're going to do things my way, Antonio Brown is not on this team. Rob Gronkowski is not on this team. They're still throwing deep passes every single play. And honestly, ask yourself this. If Bruce Arians didn't take a step back, if Bruce Arians didn't consult with Tom Brady and and call the plays that worked best for him and and help get the players on his team that he thought could get the best out of his offense, are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Super Bowl champions? My answer is no. They are not. Tom Brady alone, just his presence, didn't get the Buccaneers to the Super Bowl. It was the entire organization, but specifically Jason Light, the head, uh, the general manager, and Bruce Arians, the head coach, working in collaboration together, realizing, hey, us three are a partnership, a team. Tom, who can we get on this team that will make you play better at 43 and throw 40 touchdowns? Bruce, how can we cater this offense to fit Tom Brady's strengths? Sure, he wants to be aggressive, and they're going to push the ball down the field, and they did. But they dialed it back than what it was last year with Jameis Winston throwing the ball deep. Why? Because it worked for Tom Brady. 
I can't be the only one missing this, right? But like the more I talk about it, the more frustrated I get because it's just like common sense. The Packers aren't the Packers without Aaron Rodgers. They're not 13 and 3 without the MVP on their team. Who knows where the hell the Seahawks are if Russell Wilson is on another team? So I'm not saying, hey, bow down to these guys, listen to every demand they make. Basically be be, you know, have them be the ultimate power guy and we are just the, the servants there, you know, placating all their needs. Collaboration works best. New ideas work best. That breeds success. So, yeah, if Russell Wilson wants a new offensive line, he's not saying so out of selfish reasons. He's saying so out of necessity. If Aaron Rodgers wants another receiver, he's not saying so because he just wants another toy to play with. He's saying so because he realizes, hey, our side of the ball, my play, is going to directly impact our season, where we end up. If they take Devonta Adams away, we don't have a consistent number two receiver on the team that can step up. And guess what? That was one of the reasons why the Packers lost to the, the Buccaneers in the NFC title game, despite Tom Brady throwing three interceptions. It makes sense. And I don't get why all of a sudden some organizations wouldn't listen. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. If you disagree, that's no problem at all. I, I am open. I, I, here I am talking about being open to new ideas. I am open to other suggestions. Or not even suggestions. I'm open to other lines of thinking. But I'd love to hear your rationale. How come the Seahawks shouldn't listen to Russell Wilson? How come the Packers shouldn't listen to Aaron Rodgers? How come the Texans shouldn't listen to Deshaun Watson? And, and so on and so on. This right, I'm not saying, is for every player and every team. These are for the franchise guys. These are for the bedrock players that are on the team for a decade that will be there for the long haul. In the, in the case of Deshaun Watson, who hasn't been there long, but he is your cornerstone franchise player. Not every quarterback deserves to have a say on the team and the roster. But at the same time, collaboration makes everyone better and everyone has the same page. I Let's look at Chicago really quickly. I'm sorry to repeat myself. But look at Chicago. Matt Nagy has a system he wants to run. It doesn't work well for Mitchell Trubisky's strengths. What does Matt Nagy do? Say, too bad. You're going to fit to my system. What happens? Mitch struggles. I'm not saying Mitch Trubisky is good. But he does not play well in that system. Okay, fine. You stink. We're going to bring Nick Foles in. Same thing. Nick Foles, you're going to play to my system as Matt Nagy. I'm calling the same plays that I called for Mitch Trubisky. Forget the fact that the offensive line stinks. Forget the fact that you're not as mobile as Mitch. You are running the same plays. We're running the same offense that we have for Mitch Trubisky, and you're going to run it and run it well. What happened? The offense got worse under Nick Foles. Worse. Matt Nagy didn't change his line of thinking, his scheme to fit the players, to fit the personnel, to fit the strengths of his own quarterback, and the Bears stunk. They stunk. And guess what? Bears fans, I, I know most of you already know this because not a lot of people were happy that Matt Nagy, the head coach, and Ryan Pace, the GM, are, are back next year. The same thing's going to happen again next year. All you did was delay the inevitable. Matt Nagy's shown he cannot change his system to fit the players on his team. Going to keep spinning your wheels. And guess what, Bears fans? Your roster is talented enough to be legitimate competitors in the NFC, especially a wide-open NFC where Drew Brees most likely will retire 
Russell Wilson, as you see, the Seahawks have their own issues. The biggest competition right now is, is the Rams and a 44-year-old Tom Brady. The NFC is, is open, and you have a good defense. You have some okay players in offense. But you don't accentuate your strengths of the team. Matt Nagy continue to just be hard-headed, do it his way, and guess what? His way is going to get him fired next year. It's going to get the Bears into a, a tailspin. And it's going to be the same thing as 2020, as 2019. Enjoy it, Bears fans. It's going to be another hell of a year. Collaboration. I, I don't understand it. So again, if you feel that Russell Wilson is out of line, if you feel Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson don't deserve a seat at the table, don't deserve to have their voice heard when it comes to making team decisions, making personnel decisions, even making coaching decisions, I'd love to hear why. Safe space. I'm not going to yell at you. I'm not going to call any names, but I just would love to hear the rationale. Facebook Worldwide Sports Network. Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio, at Ryan Hickey Show on Twitter. I will say this. I will have one rule quickly here. I hate making rules, to be honest. I'm sorry. I do have one rule. If the reason in your mind is going to be he's not Tom Brady, save your fingers. Don't bother typing. Save the keyboard. Save carpal tunnel on your fingers. Don't bother. Because that is not a reason. No one is Tom Brady. I'm not saying these guys are Tom Brady. But they have just the same amount of impact on teams' chances of winning or losing. So saying he's not Tom Brady isn't an answer. So we'll actually, I apologize for missing the tease. When we come back, we'll discuss. You know, here's what we'll do. We'll stick with Tom Brady. We'll stick with Tom Brady. When we come back, is Tom Brady more likable? He actually, for the first time, Felt relatable in the parade yesterday. We'll discuss that next. It is the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. Radio Network. Welcome back Welcome to the back Ryan Hickey Ryan Show. Show. Right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back into the Ryan Hickey Show, right here with you on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Kind of wrapping up our discussion that took the first two segments, first 45 minutes of the show. And I, I really love to hear your thoughts if you are have a thought one way or another. Russell Wilson, the latest quarterback to speak out, speak his mind. He voiced his frustration earlier this week about the offensive line. Open and say, hey, I'm tired of getting hit. I'm tired of getting sacked. Just 394 times in, uh, in nine seasons. Basically, we got to address this. This comes on the heels of Tom Brady going to Tampa, having the power, having Tampa Bay listen to what Tom Brady's suggestions were, bringing in some players that worked well with his skill set, creating and morphing the playbook to fit well with his, with his system that he's played for 20 years, and it worked. Guess what? He won a Super Bowl, everybody. So now Aaron Rodgers sees that and wants more input. Russell Wilson sees that and wants more input. Deshaun Watson sees that and wants more input on the team. And in my mind, they deserve it. They haven't gotten it. They absolutely deserve it. It makes no sense why we are ignoring the most important position in all sports, what they have to say about how to make their side of the ball better. I don't understand it, but that's what's happening in Seattle, in Green Bay, in Houston. So I'm curious your thoughts as an NFL fan. Do you think these players, these quarterbacks, should be allowed to have input on team decisions? Who to sign, who to cut, 
who to trade for, maybe if a head coaching position is open, an offensive coordinator position is open, should they have a seat at the table? Should their voice be heard and considered when making these decisions instead of just the head coach or the GM or both making that call? Me, the answer absolutely is 100% yes, without a doubt. So let's hear your thoughts. Facebook, Worldwide Sports Network. Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio. At Ryan Hickey Show, excuse me, also on Twitter, you can tweet me directly. Right on the Periscope live stream, right on the Facebook live stream as well. We'll get your thoughts here before we get out of here at 11 a.m. Eastern. But speaking of Tom Brady, let's keep it going. Because yesterday, speaking of him and the Buccaneers winning the Super Bowl, yesterday was the parade, the boat parade for Tampa Bay. And man, it looked like a blast. I will say this. Obviously, if you're watching the live stream, you can look at me. I am nowhere close to being a pro athlete. I'm too small. I'm too weak. I'm too slow. But with that said, so I'll never get the chance to experience this from a player's perspective, hopefully as a fan one day. But man, these parades look so much fun. Just once. I love to know what the, what the feeling is from a player's perspective to work that hard, grind, 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 win the top, you know, win the title, get to the top. And then to celebrate, just get belligerently drunk in public with all your fans, going crazy, celebrating the title. Man, it looked like a ton of fun the Buccaneers were having yesterday. And every team that wins a title, they always have a lot of fun at the parade. But specifically, one guy that got a lot of attention yesterday from the parade was Tom Brady. Shocker, right? Most important, probably recognizable face in all of sports, at least here in in the U.S., maybe at least in football for sure. But the first time, at least that I noticed, and I'm curious your thoughts as well. Facebook, Worldwide Sports Network, Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio, at Ryan Hickey Show, also on Twitter. Tom Brady yesterday, being openly drunk, belligerently drunk, borderline blackout drunk where he couldn't even walk, he seemed the most relatable to me and you I feel like I've ever seen Tom Brady. So I'd love to ask you this question. Is Tom Brady more likable now that he's out of New England? Is he more likable just as a person, as a player, now that he's in Tampa Bay? He's still winning. He just won his seventh Super Bowl. So it's not like the guy all of a sudden sucks. He's been humbled. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah, you know, Tom Brady is human after all. No, here he is winning again. Pulling feats off we never, ever could have imagined. But with that said, I think he's 100% more likable. He's more relatable. I think living in New England helped really Tom Brady's Q score in the public. I say that for two reasons. Number one, I mean, now that I kind of, now that obviously the NFL season's over, we can kind of take a step back and just reassess it and look at it from a 10,000 you know, foot view, just being the day-to-day grind. If you think about it, at least on social media, for me personally, I haven't really seen too many Tom Brady, Tom Brady haters this year in Tampa Bay. But as we know, everyone outside of Patriot fans hated the Patriots, they hated Tom Brady, they hated Bill Belichick, they hated the success that they had. Because they want it for their own. Patriots win again. They're always here cheating, blah, blah, blah. There's all these different storylines as why you hate Tom Brady, why you hate Bill Belichick, why you hate the Patriots. But now Tom Brady leaves New England, right, this past year, goes to Tampa Bay. No one seems to really hate him. No one that I saw was actively rooting against the Buccaneers. All of a sudden, the Buccaneers didn't become America's most hated team. Right? All of a sudden, it's not this Buccaneers hate. It's, wow, hey, Tom Brady... He seems to be having fun. Wow, look at Tom Brady having all the success in a new place without Bill Belichick in a pandemic with all these you know, restrictions that prevent teams from having success. He's still finding success. I think he not only went a level up in terms of respect for a lot of people, 
I think in terms of relatability and likability, he went through the roof. Right? And maybe I'm off here. But if I am, please tell me. But yesterday especially, and I understand, you know, parade day, a lot of people are always in a good mood. Although, kind of weirdly, everyone just watches the parade even though it's not your team. But all yesterday, Tom Brady throwing the Lombardi trophy, holding his daughter, walking around, blackout drunk, coming off the boat as we all saw, just being unable to walk and having basically someone needing to carry him. It was all jokes. It was all fun. It was all good times. No hate of Tom Brady. No, like, oh, man, look at this guy. Amateur hour. And sure, those jokes are out there, but it was all in good fun. Everyone for the most ever no, everyone for the most part, and that's rare on social media, as you know, especially on Twitter. Rare is anyone or everyone all in agreement on something, on a topic. Everyone seemed in agreement about having a fun time. It was all a good vibe surrounding Tom Brady and his drunkenness yesterday. His public now perception that's kind of turned on a dime, if you will, since he left New England, it reminds you a lot of Alex Rodriguez. Now, look, A-Rod had his own reasons. Different than Tom Brady as to why people hated him. He's a cheater. He's a liar. All this stuff. You know, he loves himself. He's a narcissist. Again, the reasons for hating A-Rod compared to Tom Brady, I'm not saying are similar at all. Not at all. But A-Rod was a very polarizing player, hated by most when he played. He hangs it up, goes to the broadcast booth, goes to Fox, goes to ESPN. You see him now talking about the game. We hear him on the broadcast, having a good time with Big Poppy, having a good time with Kevin Burkhardt, having a good time with Frank Thomas. All of a sudden, starts dating J-Lo, starts you know, kind of being like a, a classic boyfriend now that he's dating someone more famous than him. He becomes almost mortal, almost like a, a regular Joe like you and me. And now people love A-Rod, for the most part. He's still, you know, there's still a, you know, a faction of fans out there that don't like A-Rod. But his public perception has turned on, you know, on a dime, just like that 180 where people hate him, now they're like, He's a jerk. He, he's full of himself. He's, he's a liar. He's a cheater. Now, son, hey, Aaron's pretty personable. He's great on TV. Gives some good analysis. He's a funny guy. He likes to have fun. And again, you see him at jail. You know, if jail is performing, he's there videoing it, kind of doing some goofy boyfriend things that we've all been there before, right? He just, you, you can relate to Aaron for the first time in your life. And now I feel like that's kind of turned his perception. Similar to now Tom Brady, when you see him just. Belligerently drunk. Hey, we've all been there. He looks normal. He is not a robot for the first time, maybe in his, in his life. He's giving maybe some more candid answers. He's opening up a little bit more. And he seems to be enjoying not just the process, but he seems to be enjoying life. He enjoys Tampa, enjoys the weather, enjoys the teammates. Not that it is in New England, but as we know, it's more of a grind there. Bill Belichick, no days off. Say nothing to the media. No bulletin board material. It's just, it, it, it's a factory, it's a process there in New England. And it worked. Not knocking the process. It got six Super Bowls and nine Super Bowl appearances in two decades worth of time. But it is fascinating to me just kind of seeing all the love of Tom Brady yesterday, how he has kind of turned his perception around. He has kind of changed in the public eye, uh, public eye, excuse me. And now, people kind of gravitate towards, kind of like Tom Brady. Enjoy the content he posts. It's funny. And I think it's a good thing. But I just want to point that out. I'm not sure if anyone feels differently. If you do, I'd love to hear why. But yeah, his, I don't want to say meteoric rise, but his kind of 
general public love compared to general public hate and scorn when he's in New England reminds you a lot of Alex Rodriguez. Same sort of thing, and it happened kind of almost seemingly overnight. Where both of these guys are able to go from the villains, most hated guys in their respective sport, to now, hey, we admire these guys. We, we enjoy their presence. We, we enjoy Tom Brady content. We enjoy Alex Rodriguez content. We can relate to them. Despite all their success, all their fame, all their money, us, me and you, the average guys and girls out there can actually relate to these superstar, almost unhuman-like players. That was pretty cool to see, honestly. And that was pretty funny to see. And like I said, man, to just have one opportunity at a parade. If the, I'm telling you, I will say this. If the Mets ever win a World Series, how Tom Brady was yesterday, that's how I plan on being at the parade. Maybe I'll just order a wheelchair right now and just wheel myself around. That way I don't have to have someone carry me. Because, man, that looked like a lot of fun. And for Mets fans, you know, it's been a torturous ride for at least my 26 years. To get that experience just one time. Just once. I love, love that feeling. So good for you, Tom Brady. Congratulations again one last time. Buccaneers having a good time. Toss the Lombardi trophy run on the boats. Having a good time. Tom Brady having a good time. And people are enjoying that for once. So when we come back, we'll continue to take your thoughts on Russell Wilson. Like I see Jarrett on Facebook has a good point. I want to bring that up here when we come back. Actually, we'll do it now before we come back. CJ, my guy CJ Simone. Again, I've said this before. Hope you remember. But if not... Jets fans out there, and NFL fans as well. CJ is a, a tremendously good show right here on the Worldwide Sports Network every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern. Weapons Hot, a Jets-specific podcast. But, hey, even if you're not a Jets fan, guess who is very interesting this draft for Deshaun Watson sweepstakes? For, I mean, hell, if Russell Wilson ends up getting traded, the Jets could be a, a team that has enough to do so to get him. Can they draft a quarterback at number two? CJ does a great job. And a lot of intrigue surrounding the Jets here. They hire Robert Sala, a very good hire for them. Every Sunday, weapons hot, right here on the Worldwide Sports Network. So same Twitter link, same Facebook links, Twitch, YouTube, the app. She does a great job every Sunday at 7. He writes on Facebook, what makes you laugh about uh, is all the fuss about Russell Wilson not wanting to get hit anymore with the Seahawks expended resources to acquire Jamal Adams instead of upgrading the offensive line like they should have. It's an interesting point. I didn't look at it actually from that perspective of, hey, they gave up draft capital to do two first-round picks to acquire Jamal Adams to shore up the defense while ignoring the offensive line. But TJ's right. And I honestly don't even have an issue with that, that trade specifically, but more to the line of which CJ and me are on the same page is, hey, Russell Wilson obviously is saying he needs help in this area. And the Seahawks have ignored it. And we all know Russell Wilson, right? Kind of corny guy, let's just be honest. You know, he's kind of, he has these cliche sayings that, you know, are very cringeworthy, to say the least, uh, most times. But what he is not is a drama queen, if you will, for lack of a better word. He doesn't stir the pot a lot. He doesn't really say many things publicly that really shock you. Really like, wow, that's Russell Wilson saying that. He never really tells us how he feels. So for him now to finally come out and say, hey, we need to address the offensive line. This has gotten too far. This has gotten, this has gotten too bad. And we need, excuse me, to fix it. This is not the first time he's saying that. He said it, I'm sure, last year. 
He said it the year before, maybe even the year before that, because this has been an issue throughout his entire nine-year career. This is the last straw for Russell Wilson. This is almost a warning shot saying, hey, please listen to what I'm saying. If not, I may have to go elsewhere. If you continue to ignore my requests, if you continue to ignore my feedback and input, maybe I'm better off going somewhere else. Because other teams will listen, like the Buccaneers, and they will have success in winning a Super Bowl. So CJ brings up a good point directly bringing up the Jamal Adams trade. They traded two first-round picks, some big capital. The Jets will be the beneficiaries of that starting this, this draft. That's one last draft pick, one last opportunity to address the offensive line. Now, the other ways to do so, with that said, you, you see they go all in on a defensive piece. Will they go all in on helping their quarterback? Because, again, defense wins championships. That motto is out the window. You're going to win a title when your quarterback leads you there. And Russell Wilson, the Seahawks especially, their hope is to win a title led by Russell Wilson. Adjust the offensive line, get you one step closer. Ignoring it, put you back. To me and CJ, in agreement there, 100%. So if you want to comment, you want to give your thoughts on Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, their input on the team, Facebook, like you'd see you just did on Worldwide Sports Network, Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio, at Ryan Hickey Show, also on Twitter. When we come back, the Brooklyn Nets proved me right yet again. I'll explain what I mean Next, it is the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Number two of the Ryan Hickey Show with you right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio. We're coming to you live as we always are from the Big Italy Pizzeria Studios. Whether it's great pizza, hot heroes, and phenomenal dinners, check out Big Italy uh, Pizzeria. Big Italy Pizzeria. Easy for me to say. In person, if you're in Medford, Joe's Pizzeria in Bayshore, or wherever you are online at BigItalyPizza.com. Welcome in if you're a first-time listener to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Hopefully you like what you listen to. If not, I have some good news. So I'm not the only show on this network. So if you hate listening to this show, great news. Plenty of other options for you to listen to right here on the Worldwide Sports Network. Down to the wire, below the mic, both hosted, both hosted by the great Errol Marks. Have you heard plenty of times call into the show? Mondays and Wednesdays starting at 6. The Sports Hit List, a tremendous show as well. Wednesdays, Weapons Hot. We just heard CJ chime in on Facebook every Sunday at 7. Off the mat for you wrestling fans on the weekend. Falco's takeaway, the Falco takeaway, excuse me. Fantasy football, daily fantasy shows as well. A ton of different options. So my point is, if you don't like what you're listening to here, well, I apologize. My show is not great. I understand that. Um, but there are plenty of other options out there on the Worldwide Sports Network for you. So don't let my show sour what you think of the network. And if you like the show, thank you. Plenty of other great shows here as well you should check out because they are even better than this one. The way to do that, very easy. Facebook, we're on the Worldwide Sports Network. Throw us a like there, boom. You'll stay up to date with every show that goes live. Twitter, follow us, WWSRN underscore radio. Follow us, boom. Every show that comes live, you get a notification. Twitch, same thing, WWSRN underscore radio. Like us on YouTube, Worldwide Sports Network. And the one-stop shop, the one place to get everything, every article that's written by every show, every show that goes live, 
the app. WWSRN, if you have an iPhone, Worldwide Sports Network on Android in their app store. Very simple, very easy, where you can stay up to date on every single show that goes live on the network. Like I just a ton of great shows, and we continue to add. So pretty soon, this is going to be a 24-7 network where shows will be the morning, the afternoon, the evening, weekends. And you will get your sports fix and more right here on the Worldwide Sports Network. Also, if you like our social media posts, our great social media director, Jillian Cohen, also has a podcast, the Multiverse Podcast. Check that out wherever you can get your podcasts as well. So a lot of great options, a ton of different ways to consume the media and a ton of different shows that attack all things sports and non-sports right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. So again, we're talking a lot of Russell Wilson. We're talking a lot of... I lost my train of thought. Wow. We're talking a lot of Russell Wilson. That is correct. Should he have the power... See, I'll be honest. I'm throwing off here. I'm checking. See, uh, being a one-man production, I'll take you take a peek behind the curtain. As you can see, I'm the only man on the screen. I, I am doing all the work here, playing the commercials, playing some music, checking the comments to see if, if you know anyone has comments that want to be read on the air. And here's my dad chiming in, asking if a topic that we just talked about, the Tom Brady likability, was on the Zach Elb show that I mentioned earlier. Yes, it was, Dad. Thank you for listening, Joe Hickey. Um, but his comment just seemed there threw me off. So that's why I lost my train of thought. I apologize. Maybe I'll, I'll just focus on the comments in the break um, and not lose my train of thought right in the middle of a thought. But we were talking Russell Wilson. We do appreciate my dad's support. Thank you, Dad. You're the best. We were talking Russell Wilson and, and should players have more input on decisions made. Facebook, Worldwide Sports Network. Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio at Ryan Hickey Show. Also on Twitter, I want to sprinkle some basketball in the mix here, some NBA. Because, yes, the Nets, the Brooklyn Nets won last night. They beat the Pacers. Shocker, the Nets beat a team over 500. But the bigger thing I want to talk about and discuss and kind of harp on here is what happened the night before, Tuesday night, when Brooklyn fell to the big, bad Pistons. Not the bad boy Pistons of the 80s. Not the Pistons teams that won titles with Isaiah Thomas and Joe Dumars. No, not those teams. Bill Ambeer wasn't playing on Tuesday night. No. The Nets lost to the Pistons, the worst team that came into the game with the worst record in the NBA. The hapless Pistons. And somehow now, <laughs> outstanding if you could believe this, on the season, the Brooklyn Nets. Now, obviously, they didn't have James Harden on the team the entire time, but the three-headed monster of Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden. They're a decent amount of the time this year. For the season... The Brooklyn Nets are now 7-11 against teams under 500. Under. So they have no problem beating the best teams in the league. The Bucks, the Clippers, the Pacers. <laughs> it's when the Pistons, the Cavaliers, come to town. All of a sudden, they struggle. The Wizards. But that loss, I kind of want to harp on the loss on Tuesday night. Because it's not the loss directly. But it's what was said after the game that, Personally, I think proves me right and why I don't think the Nets can win a title. I said they weren't going to win a title before the year, coming into the year, I should say, when it was just uh, Kevin Durant and Jay, uh, and Kyrie Irving. So they weren't any closer to getting to a title and winning a title 
when they acquired James Harden. Why is that? Why? I'll tell you why. Thank you for asking. Leadership. They don't have true leadership on this team. Kevin Durant, it's Kevin Durant's team, right? There, there's no question of, hey, who is the alpha dog on this team? It's Kevin Durant's team. But his leadership style isn't a vocal, hey, rally around me kind of guy, rah, rah. I'm going to galvanize the group and I'm going to lead by example. I'm going to be the Pied Piper, if you will, and everyone's going to follow my lead. He's not like that. He's very quiet. And as we know, he's very passive aggressive. A lot of social media burner accounts, a lot of tweets. He doesn't really directly address things head on. James Harden, is he a leader? Well, he shies away from a lot of that responsibility. Especially in Houston, when it was his team, he still never kind of stood up to be that leader. Hey, guys, follow my lead. This is my team. We're going to do it my way sort of thing. Carrier. <laughs> yeah, there's no explanation needed as to why he is not the leader of the team. Or why his leadership, I should say, won't result in a title. So it's not that they are 7-11 and 11 against teams under 500. It's not the fact that they are literally playing no defense. They shoot, and they just wait to get the ball back. That's their defense. Hey, a team misses, all right, we'll collect the rebound, but they're not actively guarding, not exerting energy to stop players. The biggest reason, similar to leadership, why the, the Nets won't win a title in my mind this year, and really ever with these three on the same team, they don't have the championship mindset. Here's what I mean by that. I want to play you a clip from Tuesday's post game. This is Kyrie Irving after the game, basically trying to make an excuse as to why the Nets lost to the hapless Pistons. Take a listen to this. We are the team that the NBA put the most games on. We're, we're the team that gets someone taken out during COVID, during the games. We're the team that has to deal with the refs. We're, we're the team that is literally battling against so many odds that at this point, it's not even a reason to continue to comment on it. They are what they are. This is not like a, an Onion article. This is not clips taken out of context, merged together to make it sound like Kyrie Irving's making excuses that the Nets only have to deal with this year and no other team. That is real. That is legit. That is Kyrie Irving after losing to, at the time, the worst team in the NBA saying, hey, man, not our fault. The Nets are on, you know, or I should say, hey, man, we lost to the Pistons. You know why? Because we are on national TV more than anyone else. Three stars. I don't know why the NBA wants to put our games on national TV all the time, but hey, we're struggling right now because we are on national TV a lot. Hey, we're struggling right now. I know we're in the middle of a global pandemic, global pandemic. Every single country, every single continent, maybe outside of Antarctica, is dealing with COVID. Every single state in the United States is dealing with COVID. Every single professional sports team that is trying to play a season right now is dealing with COVID. But if you hear Kyrie Irving talk, the Nets, in his mind, are the only team dealing with COVID. Yes, was it wacky? Was it bizarre? When last week Kevin Durant was held out of the start of the game because he was uh, there was some contact tracing going on with someone he may have come in contact with who had the coronavirus. Yes, was he allowed back into the game to play about 20 minutes? And then was he pulled out of the game because the COVID test of a close contact he had came back positive? Yes. That is bizarre. That is wonky. But last time I checked, 
are the Nets the only team with players who are either out because of contact tracing or who have COVID? Maybe I'm just missing something here. Because I'm not a, a smart guy. You listening definitely know that. So maybe I'm missing the big picture. But let me, if I'm wrong, please correct me. Are the Nets the only team that have players out because of COVID? Are the Nets the only team that had players, again, sit out because of protocols? Oh, that's right. That's right. I forgot. My bad. My apologies. Every single team has had issues with COVID. But in Kyrie Irving's mind, hey, man, only the Nets. Only the Nets have to deal with COVID. The other 29 NBA teams, eh, live your life. COVID doesn't exist in your world. No one's getting sick. No one's sitting out games. No one's having their lifestyle cramped because of a global pandemic. Only the Nets. Okay, my bad, Kyrie. I missed that. I missed that. My fault. My apologies. And the refs. How can I forget the referees? Because not only are the Nets having to deal with playing more national games than anybody else, not only do the Nets apparently battling a global pandemic all by themselves with no one else getting affected by it, the refs are also obviously against the Nets. So Kyrie's right. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how the Nets win a title when you have to overcome all those obstacles that no other team has to go through. I have never seen a bad call made against any other team outside the Nets. I've never seen it. Right? When can you remember a bad call going against your team? The Knicks, they've never gotten a bad whistle in their existence. Only the Nets. Adam Silver, I think I heard him say, hey, refs, fellas, let's screw the Nets tonight. Some borderline calls, make sure it goes against them. Let's, you know, do the right thing tonight. That's right, I, I forgot. That, that's the pregame meeting with the referees going on, in Kyrie Irving's mind at least. Can you believe that? That clip I just played is real. The Nets are the only team that has to play more national games than everyone else. Like That's somehow a bad thing. The Nets are the only team that has to deal with COVID through the teams. And the Nets have to deal with bad calls. Those are the obstacles they have to clear. And those are part of the reasons why they lost to the worst team in the NBA on Tuesday night. You know what happened on Tuesday night? As you, if you could tell, I'm watching a lot of Sopranos right now. It's a lot of mob-related analogies. But the Nets are a bunch of mobsters. And they were just shaken down by the Girl Scouts. They got their lunch money taken. And now they have to go back and say, hey, we were just taken for a ride by... The Girl Scouts. The big, bad Girl Scouts. They took our lunch money. They intimidated us. But it's okay. You know, we, we have excuses that no one else is dealing with. So that's why it happened. We're just going to let it go. I mean, what are we doing here? You can't get beat up by the Girl Scouts and then come back and say, oh, you know, COVID. We're the only team dealing with it. The referees, the only team dealing with it. What's the excuse? And those excuses that are made, Kyrie talking the way he did post-game, trying to make an excuse for Kevin Durant not being on the court, and that's why they lost. Those excuses are Kyrie and the rest of the team not accepting reality, trying to ignore, trying to say, hey, it's not us, it's something else. We can't be this bad. Let's blame this, this, and this. It's a loser mentality. And guess what? It's been prevalent throughout the entire careers of some of these guys on the team. 
I mean, Kyrie's done every stop. He has made excuses. He's had that loser mentality everywhere he's been. Cleveland wins the title with LeBron, hits the biggest shot of his career in the Warriors in Game 7. Next year, he's sick and tired of being in LeBron's shadow. He wants to create his own legacy. So what does he do? He says, right, get me out of here. I can't play with LeBron anymore. I'm done. Goes to Boston. Oh, I'm so happy in Boston. I can't wait to hear. If you guys will have me, I'll be here for the rest of my career. Young team, he's supposed to be the guy leading the squad. What happens? Jason Tatum develops. Jalen Brown develops. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, Kyrie Irving is getting jealous. And now, coincidence or not, I don't think it's coincidence. That team in the two years that Kyrie was on the team played better when he was off the court than he was on the court. Makes an excuse in Boston. All right, you know, I'm going to go now to, uh, to Brooklyn. That, that's where, you know, that's my home. I'm truly going to be really happy here. And what happened last year? Don't forget last year when Kevin Durant was out. Obviously, you knew he was coming back this year. But when Kevin Durant was out, Kyrie Irving, middle of the year, was talking about how basically the players have to get better around him. The, the Nets need more talent around him. It's not Kyrie Irving the why they're losing. They need better players, despite the fact that he played nine games last year. He makes excuses everywhere he goes. It's never him. It's always other factors as to why he doesn't have success. It's a loser mentality, and I don't see it. Barring a miracle, barring Jesus Christ coming down from earth, somehow transforming his brain to have him wake up, see the light, and all of a sudden now he realizes, hey, you know what? It is me. I got to get better. I got to be a better leader. I got to make more shots. I'm not sure how this mentality is all of a sudden going to change playoff time where if he's a bad game or he's having a bad two or three game stretch, is he just going to go in the tank? Is he going to try to start blaming COVID again? Going to start blaming the referees, blaming all these primetime games? I said it before when the big three was going to be developed and when it officially became developed and became official and they came together. Big threes can work. The Celtics won a title. The Heat won multiple titles. The Warriors won multiple titles. Why did those teams have success? Sure, talent, they had an advantage over everyone else. But leadership, they had strong leadership that when the going got tough, when the waters became rocky, when maybe the, the play wasn't as high as it should have been, they had leaders that took a hold of the team and prevented them from going downhill. They rallied them around. Got them to believe, and they played better. The Heat won titles. The Celtics won a title. The Warriors won titles. In all different, different ways of leadership, they got it done. The Nets don't have that leadership. I don't think they have it now. I don't think they will get it by the time playoff time comes. This is just the latest example. Blaming COVID, blaming the referees, blaming primetime games. That's why the Nets lost to the worst team in the NBA on Tuesday night. That's Kyrie Irving for you. The loser mentality is there now, and it's not changing. That's why the, I'm telling you, the big three, despite having more talent than everyone else, they're not winning a title. They're not doing it. So I'm curious your thoughts. Facebook, Worldwide Sports Network. Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio, or at Ryan Hickey Show, also on Twitter. Can the Nets, in your mind, win a championship? Will they figure it out? Will they get over these hiccups, if you will, of constantly losing to the worst teams in the NBA, from beating the best teams in the NBA, are you believing that the Nets can win a title? Facebook, Worldwide Sports Network, Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio, at Ryan Hickey Show, also on Twitter. We'll get you that to when we come back. Baseball, or Major League Baseball, I should say, is going to deaden the ball, trying to lessen home runs. Is that a good thing for the sport? We'll discuss next is the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. 
Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show, right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome on back into the Ryan Hickey Show with you for the next half hour until 11 a.m. Eastern. Want to interact with the show? Facebook, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio at Ryan Hickey Show. Also on Twitter as well. So I want to get into baseball here. And not often we talk about a lot of baseball because at least the way I try to approach a show is this. I try to talk and view it from a national perspective. Despite the fact that I'm sitting here, you know, on Long Island in New York, big baseball city, big Mets fan myself. I love baseball. To me, it's tied with football for number one. I love baseball. I love the Mets. We'll continue to watch. I'm a, I'm a baseball lifer. They got me hooked. But at least in terms of the philosophy of the show that I try to bring is I try to bring the most entertaining topics and interesting discussion points that goes around in the landscape of sports on a bi-weekly basis. Or I guess, no, I'm sorry, twice-week basis, bi-weekly Okay, uh, English is not my strong suit, as you can see. And baseball, for whatever reason, nationally, isn't a talked-about topic a lot because there's not a lot that intrigues people to discuss, right? Football, we could talk about almost any single team in a small, like Green Bay, an extremely small market, but everyone around the country, here in New York, in Florida, in California, in Iowa, in Nebraska, people care about the Packers one way or another, whether you're a fan or whether you see what Aaron Rodgers is doing and you have an opinion one way or another. The NFL has that. The NBA, to a certain extent, has that as well. Baseball does not have a lot of national appeal, so we don't really talk a lot of baseball in a national perspective. Usually when we do, it's negative, unfortunately. The Astros cheating scandal, the way that this, this past year played out in terms of negotiations publicly arguing over, over money, owners trying to save money, players trying to get compensated for taking a risk and playing a season during a pandemic. It was ugly. It was embarrassing. We talk a lot about that because it's... A lot of unfortunate baseball news that is national is usually negative. But I do want to talk about something positive here because baseball is trying something different. They are trying to change the game. This year, they're going to deaden the baseball slightly. Change, you know, make, it, make the baseball a little bit looser, a tiny bit lighter, and basically have some more drag so that many, not as many balls are flying out of the ballparks. Because if you couldn't tell, home runs are coming at an alarming rate in baseball. The six highest seasons in a row, the most, or I should say, excuse me, the most home runs by season. Six, you know, the, the top six seasons with the most home runs, five of them have come in the last five years. 2000, then 2016, 17, 18, 19, 20. Those six years are the six highest years of most home runs hit in that certain year, in that year, I should say, total. The ball's been flying out of the ballpark. So I'll ask you this question. Deadening the baseball, less home runs. Will that make the game more enjoyable? Will that make baseball a better watch, more exciting, maybe bring you into the sport and watch more games than you normally do? Because I actually think this is actually baseball for once, for once, heading in the right direction. Because it's not home runs per se that's the issue. 
I have no problem with, with home runs. It's maybe a little old to get to that a little bit more. But my issue with, with the game isn't about home runs. It's about the lack of balls in play. So, yes, you are decreasing home runs in theory is, is a goal for deadening the baseball this year in 2021. But how can you increase the amount of balls in play? How can you increase the amount of contact made? Well, the only way to really change that is by forcing batters, forcing hitters to change their approach at the plate. If home runs aren't flying out of the ballpark, if you can't rely on a home run to get 20, 30 of them, and that's how you get paid, you got to change up to do something else, to get on base, to be productive, to be a member of the team, to incentivize teams to pay you more money. Right, right now, that is a home run. The more home runs you hit, the more money you get. And right now, that has changed the approach of batters at the plate of late. Because right now, what do you hear? Buzzwords, launch angle, bat speed. It's essentially home run or bust hitter's approach right now. Which again, home runs are, are cool. They fly to the ball by people get excited by it. But you know what that also does when it's home run or, or bust swing? Even with two strikes, you're still swinging for the fences, taking the biggest cut you possibly can, hoping to size one up, square one up, and launch it out. It leads to more string, uh, swings and misses as well. The strikeouts, the number of strikeouts, has increased in the game every single year since 2006. So what is that, 15 years? The strikeouts have gone up every single year. 2020, despite a shortened season, in terms of strikeout rate, right? Number of strikeouts uh, divided by the plate appearances, 23.4% of plate appearances in 2020 ended with a strikeout. The highest it's ever been. A record. So now when you look at the game of baseball, there's only real three true outcomes that could happen at the plate for the most part. A strikeout, a home run, or a walk. All three of those, the ball's not in play. That's a lot of standing around with no action really happening. And to me, the way baseball gets more people jacked up, gets more people back into the game, is by action. Is by putting balls in play. Is having balls go to the gap. Put some runners on base. Have some more situational baseball. Because all three of those are, are decreasing by the year, and it's alarming. Because home runs have changed the game. Now it's home runner or bust. Again. So you don't need to steal bases. You don't have to learn how to do situational baseball. Even the moment gets less tense because there's less runners on base. That's when we know kind of, you know, juice up and get the most high pressure situations. So more action on the field, in my mind, would make the game more exciting. We'll bring more fans to the ballpark, bring more fans to watching, because guess what? As we've seen in baseball, I mean, as, excuse me, as we've seen in football, hockey, basketball, any, any sport, the human body, the athlete, is getting bigger, faster, stronger. They are doing things athletically that we've never seen before. They are showing off their athleticism in different ways in different sports. Well, baseball, that's not really happening because, again, you're hitting home runs and sure, maybe a guy is super strong and they're hitting the ball out of the ballpark. Okay, cool. We're not seeing their speed. You're not seeing their arm. They're in the outfield or, you know, if you're in the infield making a nice throw because there's not that many balls in play that give them that opportunity. Home runs have become so popular 
that almost, I don't know about you, but this is how I feel. That I've always become desensitized to them. It's normalized now. Where it's like, oh, home run in third inning. Okay, that, that's going to happen. You lose the excitement because it's so popular now. It happens so often that it loses its luster. Just like, you know, if you get a new toy or whatever, new phone, new car, even a new song. Like, I don't know about you, but how I listen to music, I am a classic radio. I, I'm the classic demographic for the pop top 40 radio stations, right? Because what do they do? They play the same four, five, six songs an hour that are super popular. And you just beat them into the ground. And that's what I'll do. for If I discover a new song for two weeks, for three weeks, I will listen to that song multiple times a day. Maybe, you know, repeat three, four times in a row. I will beat it to death. And then in two weeks, three weeks, ah, I'm sick of it. I haven't heard it enough. And then, you know, it kind of goes away for a while before I, re- you know, remember it a few months down the road, right? I don't really pace myself with, with new songs. It's every day, boom, boom, boom. Well, guess what? That song loses its shine, loses its luster quickly. Because then it becomes normal. You know the beat. You know the lyrics. Nothing's surprising you. And over time, the more you listen to it, the less jacked up you get the less excited you are to hear it at least for me that's kind of you know that's what the radio does and that's how I kind of listen to music two or three weeks and then it's off that's how I feel about home runs because they've become so popular we see them from almost every single player now that yeah it was cool you know when the home runs were starting to increase in 2016 and 2017 oh wow look at all these home runs these players we never thought could even you know hit the ball to the outfield they're hitting 20 home runs a year but now that it's so popular, now that we've seen it so often, yeah, okay, it's a home run, all right. Tough to get excited unless it's in a big moment. Home run of the fifth inning, I'm not reacting to now like I would, let's say, even five years ago. So the home run is becoming normalized, which means if baseball wants fans, if baseball wants the excitement back, you got to focus on less strikeouts and more balls in play. Because I said this before, but to me, Personally, what's exciting, what I love about the game of baseball, what I, what I find to be the most exciting plays that can happen in the game, a triple on the gap, stolen bases, even situational hitting, you know, hit and runs, runners going for first or third on a single. Hell, even just having runners in scoring position. Like I said, you have a second and third, one out. All of a sudden, no matter what inning it is, okay, here we go. You know, can the pitcher get out of it? Can the hitter maybe, can we, you know, get one in the gap here? Can we even get a single sack fly? You kind of get excited because there's so many different ways to either score or prevent teams from scoring that you don't get now. Because there's not as many runners on base, because there's not as many singles being hit, there's not as many walks being drawn, because everyone's swinging for the fences. So it's solo home runs left and right. Okay, cool, yeah, whoop-de-doo. I like balls in play. I like seeing players use their speed, running the bases. Cutting balls off in the, in the outfield. Showing off their strong arm. Making gorgeous throws to throw runners out. Trying to go to second or third or home. That to me is exciting. And those players are going extinct in the game. So deadening the baseball, in my mind, could be a good way where, hey, now if you're so reliant on the home run, well now if, not the ball, if the ball's not going out of the ballpark as often as it is, where they did this in the Korean Baseball League, they deadened the baseball in the Korean Baseball League exactly the same way that they are doing it now. It cut home runs down by a third. 33% of home, uh, less home runs the year after they did this compared to previous times. So now if a third of the home runs aren't going out this year, that's going to change the approaches 
of players who maybe relied on 20 home runs to get paid or maybe relied on 15 home runs to keep them on the roster. Now, if you're only getting five or 10, now it's on you to, hey, you know what? Maybe I'm going to focus on getting the ball in the gap. Maybe I'm going to focus on just getting on base, hitting singles, square at the ball, hitting a line drive instead of trying to hit moonshot home runs. That's personally what I think will make baseball more exciting. We'll get fans more juiced up for the game. Get them back into stadiums. Get the viewership up. Because baseball has a lot of issues. Don't get me wrong. The lack of balls in play, as sad as it is, isn't even the biggest reason why baseball's falling, failing, flat out. It's the owners. To me, the owners flat out are killing the game. There is five teams, maybe, that are that are trying to win. I look, look at the Red Sox. Look at the Cubs. Two teams in massive media markets with massive fan interest that get a lot of revenue are salary-dumping players this year. They are cutting salary. They are trying to basically have as cheap a roster as possible. The Cubs, the Red Sox, are pinching pennies. I mean, are, are, are you kidding me? So, yeah, when five teams out of 30 are trying to compete for a title— you alienate 25 fan bases that don't care. Because that team is going to stink. And it's all about, for them, budgets. It's not about winning. It's about budgets. That is killing the game. That, by far, is killing the game. I could do an entire show on that. The owners of baseball, for whatever reason, especially them more than any other sport, are more motivated by money and profits than about having a good league, having good viewership. And they don't realize the fact that in order to earn money, you got to spend money. They don't understand that. So it's killed the game. But another thing killing the game, actually on the field to me, is that there is no balls on play. Home run, strikeout, walk. It's pretty boring. As a big baseball fan myself, again, I'll be watching the game until I die. I'm not going away. But the casual fan has gone away. There is other things to watch. Now more than ever. With social media, with all these streaming devices that we have to subscribe to, there are plenty of other distractions on a June, July, August summer night than sitting down in front of your TV at 7 o'clock and watching a baseball game. The owners don't seem to realize it. At least one of my, in my mind, one of the ways to get that back, get people back in the stands, back watching, make the game more exciting by letting the young athletes actually show off their talent, actually play well. So I'm curious your thoughts. Could, could less home runs actually be good for the sport? I think so. Less home runs will force players now to change their approach to the plate. Instead of being home run or bust, it's gap-to-gap hitting, it's getting on base, it's drawing walks, it's doing the little things that have disappeared from the game that, to me, make it exciting. So I'm curious how you feel. If you're a baseball fan, or even if you're not, what would get you back into watching? Facebook, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Twitter. WWSRN underscore radio at Ryan Hickey Show, also on Twitter. We'd love to get your thoughts. And when we come back, the Dallas Mavericks weren't playing the national anthem. Now they are playing the national anthem. We will discuss that to end the show right here. It is the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show. Right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And 
welcome on back into the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Network. As you just heard, taking you till the top of the hour, so just about 10, 15 minutes or so left before we uh, do wrap up and get out of here. Um, any final chance to get your thoughts? Facebook, Worldwide Sports Network, Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio, at Ryan Hickey Show. Also on Twitter, just a lot of Russell Wilson, the power or lack thereof, I should say, that he has in the organization to make some decisions. Do you agree with that? Should players allowed to be basically allowed to voice their input, have decisions or have influence on the decisions to be made with different aspects of the team? I think so. A lot of people say no. Um, I don't understand wh- why not, but I'd love to. I'm open-minded. I'm open to hearing opposing viewpoints. I'd love to hear why. If you don't agree, if you think Russell Wilson should just basically sit down, play quarterback, do what the coach says, they pick the players. The GM picks the players. They figure it out. They do that. You just play football. Love to your wife. Facebook, Worldwide Sports Network, Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio. At Ryan Hickey Show, also on Twitter, Tom Brady likability. All of a sudden, now he's like, hey, you're doing a 180 in front of our eyes publicly. And baseball, trying to deaden the baseball. Is that actually a good thing? I think so. It will change the approach of hitters. Force, in theory, I should say, in theory, force the hitters now to instead of relying on the long ball, use other ways to get on base, put more balls in play, which to me, in my mind, will help make the game more exciting. A lot of areas that baseball needs to improve, a lot of fixes they have to do to get the game back where it once was. I think that's a small step going forward. More balls in play, more action on the field, I think will actually help accomplish that goal. They are, at least in theory, trying to do that. Now, baseball has, whew, how can we say this nicely, not been not executed the best, we'll say that. Sometimes they've had good intentions that have, have gone um, very sour. So we'll see how, uh, we'll see how this goes with, with the baseball being deadened and, in theory, less balls going out of the yard in 2021 than in past years. We'll see how that goes. So any thoughts? Again, one last time. Facebook, Worldwide Sports Network, Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio, at Ryan Hickey Show, also on Twitter. I do want to end the show with some NBA news that's going on um, recently that involves the National Anthem. Now, the Dallas Mavericks had 13 or 12 regular season games, one preseason game at their home, uh, American Airlines Arena. They did not play the National Anthem before any of those games. No fans in the stands. Didn't feel um, the need to do so because of, not just because of laziness, because Mark Cuban has come out and said basically a lot of players and a lot of people in the community he's talked with don't feel like that song represents who they are. So they figured, you know what? We saw what happened down in Orlando with, with the social justice movement and players voicing their frustrations in different protest ways before the National Anthem or during the National Anthem. So Mark Cuban said, you know what? Because a lot of players still don't feel the anthem represents them, their experience in this country, they're just not going to play it and see what happens. And no one noticed. No one said boo. We had to basically, all of us, be made aware of it. And the NBA put a statement out basically mandating that the, that the anthem get played before all games. And the Mavericks did play last night at home, and they did play the anthem. They did comply. But it's interesting the talking points that come out of this um, because, as we know, it's a very polarizing topic. You feel strongly one way or another. You should stand. To respect, you shouldn't stand. And there's really no in-between. So in, in me bringing this up here, I bring it up on, on kind of purpose and to end the show because I'm not trying to have anyone pick sides. I'm not trying to start a debate of, of which side is right, which side is wrong, what you should be doing, what you should be doing, how you should be feeling. 
That's what we're here for. Very polarizing, like we just said, and it's one where, unfortunately, a lot of discussion doesn't really go well. And that's the kind of angle I, w- I want to bring up with this, with this topic, with this discussion. Is that that is personally my biggest frustration with this entire anthem topic, really since it started with Colin Kaepernick taking a knee a few years ago with the 49ers. Is that, yes, he felt that there was injustices in this country, so in order for him to bring attention to it, because other ways he's been doing so haven't been heard, haven't been recognized, he figured, you know what, maybe to the national anthem, because maybe I don't feel as free as America is looking at for me, as other people do, I'm going to take a knee, sound protest, just to bring awareness to police brutality, to racial injustice, to the situations he wanted to bring awareness to. And instead, since then, the conversation has been about who's kneeling, who's not. Is it disrespectful? Is it the American way? And we have cast our own judgments one way or another as to why someone is kneeling, why someone is raising a fist, without asking or frankly caring about why they want to do so, why they feel that way. Like, like I'll, I'll explain it from my perspective. Personally, I have and always will stand for the anthem with the hand over my heart. That's just how, it, how it's been for me. Um, I don't really plan on changing that. But also at the same time, I understand why others feel differently and why others choose not to do so. And, and that's, to me, what is missing here. Because both sides, whether you're for it or against it, have to understand where the other side is coming from. And that, that is the big disconnect in this entire topic because that has been the area and the focus that has been ignored the most. Like, I, I, I'm sick of talking about this topic because now, again, it's been the discussion of oh, who's kneeling, who's not. Who's coming out for the anthem, who's not doing so. And that is the talking point. Wow, LeBron is kneeling. Wow, look at LeBron taking a knee. Instead of realizing what is he taking a knee for? What is going on that he's witnessing that maybe we're not witnessing? How can we help to maybe ensure that, hey, maybe injustices or wrongs that LeBron feels is happening to him or his people or other players feel that is happening in their communities that aren't being acknowledged, maybe have that discussion and say, hey, how can we help to make sure that you don't feel this way? That will actually make us as a country better. Not focusing on, oh, man. Who's, who, who's kneeling, who's not? Who's racing a fist, who's not? And then trying to use our own judgments of, hey, they're disrespecting the flag, they're disrespecting the military, and projecting our own feelings onto what they are trying to do. Instead of maybe realizing the actual issues at hand. So yeah, I can't lie. When this, is, when this topic came up the other day, when the Mavericks are come out, or, or the Mavericks, you know, it came out that they weren't playing the anthem, I kind of, I can't lie, I kind of cringed because I was bracing for this topic of people sprinting to crush the Mavericks, people sprinting to praise the Mavericks. And again, we run to our collective sides without kind of asking how the other side feels, asking why the other side feels this way, and what can we do to maybe merge the two together? Because it has become, (laughs) somehow it has become a political issue. Just like a lot of things now. And that has led to conversations not happening. So we move to, I mean, let's just be honest here. No, no country is perfect, right? I mean, if it was true, everyone would try to live, live there. 
Everyone has issues. Every person has issues. No one is perfect. So this is, I guess, one of my frustrations that, hey, it's okay to say that this country has issues without at the same time being unpatriotic or hating your country. Just reality. Accepting those issues and trying to make it better is how we all to, to come together, make this place a better, better country, a better way to life than we found it. And instead, it's been a lot of burying the heads in the sand, living in denial. That doesn't happen here. No way that happens. And pretending that, you know, everything's all hunky-dory and not realizing or, or not getting the perspective of the other side so why someone feels strongly one way or another. So that's all I wanted to say. I'm not trying to really create a debate, spark a debate, should you stand, should you kneel. Just understand where the other side is coming from. And maybe... Maybe. How about this? Start a conversation. Because it's not just the anthem issue that this pops up. In. It's, every, it's everything, right? Especially now with social media. If you don't agree, you're an idiot. If you disagree, I can never see your side. You don't know what you're doing. I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. That's what I said before. If you have any disagreements on anything I've been saying, I'd love to hear, the, I'd love to hear why. Because I myself believe what I believe. And there's a reason why I try to come on this show and bring as much conviction, especially mostly with sports, as possible. Because I try to do my research. I, tr I try to bring facts and present facts. And sometimes I will admit I will maybe extrapolate one fact too much or one stat too much and maybe lose track at some point, one, one or another, of a bigger issue that maybe takes down my point. Or maybe I I'm missing something right in front of my face that is allowing me to think one way. Instead of truly, maybe, you know, what true of the facts are. So I always say, hey, love to hear what you think. I always try to ask your thoughts on Facebook and Twitter. Because I think one way, I'd love to hear maybe if I'm wrong or what you think or why you disagree. It sparks good conversation. That's how really <laughs> this world was. And really in social media now with less person-to-person -person interaction, it's more, always more combative. Oh, you don't think this way? Oh, you're an idiot. You don't know what you're talking about. Oh, you, you disagree with me? Well, what do you know? And then it gets personal, and then also next you know, mud's getting slung, and it just, it gets ugly. And that has happened with what the Anthem discussion has been. But hopefully, again, to use this as a, a learning tool to say, maybe everything's not okay. Maybe we can do things in the future to at least understand the other perspective, gain some perspective. How about that? how other people have had their life experience go. And maybe we can work together to make sure everyone is at least getting the best out of their situation. That's all I want to say. I do want to bring that up uh, before we do get out of here. Um, that will do it, at least for this edition of, of the Ryan Hickey Show. I will leave you w with some comedy here. Um, I do, like you said, I do always love to ask for your opinions and your thoughts. And because we don't have a direct phone line, the best ways to do that are Twitter and Facebook. And for the first time, really on Facebook, that we've been doing these shows, I've noticed, we have gotten some spam bots in the comment section. I told you before, my dad asking a question about a topic we talked about if it was on the show that I work on, the Zach Gelb show on CBS Sports Radio. Yes, it was, Dad. The Tom Brady likability topic. I stole that from Zach. It was his idea. Not afraid to admit it. I like that idea, and I want to talk about it today. So he comments, oh, you know, wasn't that a topic on the Zach Gelb show? So, 
So we have finally a spam comment on Facebook. Hishola Horiyomi. Apparently, according to his bio studies at students in Nigeria, and looks at least to be a spam account. He goes, he comments back to my dad, inbox me for card reading. I have a ma- massage for you. Maybe he means message if it's a card reading. CJ just writes, when do we have bots in the convo section? That's a great point. So we now be infiltrated in the comment section. So if he's Shola Horiyamu, Horiyami, if he reaches out to you saying, hey, I got a message for you or a massage, either one. If you're commenting on the show, you're smart enough to know that there's no message there. We have finally been infiltrated by these bots that at least come about in every walk of life on social media, um, for sure. So I'll do it for this issue. Hopefully that left you at least on a higher note, a little bit of funny note. Um, yeah, safe to say there's, there's no message or a massage coming from Hishola. That's for sure. Um, I'll do this for this. That will do it. Jeez, really crushing it today. That will do for this edition of the Ryan Hickey Show. Really appreciate all of you tuned in. Hopefully you made your Thursday morning a little bit brighter, a little bit more exciting, a little bit more entertaining, and get you one step closer to the weekend. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday. Have a great Friday. Enjoy your Valentine's Day. Early Valentine's Day. Wishes to all those. Enjoy your weekend. Stay safe. Stay sane. We'll talk to you on Monday right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network.